Tonight on Rogue Padron, where there's a will, there's a way. Don't lick the fire, please. Wedge is here in spirit. These babies are a goddamn mess. And it's time to unpeel Erica's layers. <laughs> <laughs> like an onion. <laughs> Just it's like an onion. It's a Shrek reference. <laughs> I know it is. It, is. Danny? I just don't want to do it. <laughs> yes! Onions! Onions have layers! Everything's a euphemism. Oh, boy. <laughs> is this symbolism? <laughs> is this a metaphor? <laughs> is is All-Star a symbol? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Yeah, you guys gotta get weird with this one. So many balls. <laughs> <laughs> that was so boaty. <laughs> Excuse me, that's Brigadier General Melbar. Yeah, there's, there's two Darth Vaders. They, they kind of swap in and out as Natalie Portman and Anakin Skywalker. Pepperoncini! <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Hello, glisteners. Welcome to What's season 13. Be a real weird episode of Rogue <laughs> Mission 9. Episode 109 of Rogue Padron. Tonight, it's our last. Nope, it's our second to last part of Alphabet Padron where we'll be going over part three of Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed. But before we dive into that, a quick reminder of your host. Sploosh. Oh, we're not, we're not diving yet. That's, that's not the right sound for that, but okay. Okay. (laughs) Unsploosh. (laughs) Un, yes, unsploosh. Now I get it. Oh. This is a fucking weird episode. (laughs) Sploosh goes to Sangria. Oh gosh! <laughs> Into my <If> esophagus. That's <laughs> okay. If Saf Rogue Seven was something on an online dating profile oh, that would make me swipe oh, left, <laughs> wait, hang on. It, Which way is left? Left is the bad one. It's the bad. It's the no. It's okay. The no. Like, okay. Left is no. Left okay. is a denial. Okay. Yeah. Is it the yeah. opposite in in New Zealand? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just figured since the water goes the other direction when you flush the toilet, maybe the dating apps went reverse as well. No. No, left is no. Okay. Left means it no. would be um It would be a profile with no pictures of their human body because robots aren't actually great for online dating. Wow. Yeah, that's fair. It's fair. That's fair. Danny, Rogue Six would be a dude with a guitar <laughs> because while, because while I'm sure he might be okay. You never know if he's going to be the worst and start playing Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad song. If Heath Rogue 3, Heath Rogue 3 would be would be sapiosexual, a sexual orientation because it's the whitest <laughs> douchiest thing. Oh god, I hate that so much. Oh, it's awful, but it's it's right. <laughs> it's right for me. <laughs> What does that even mean? Oh, daddy. It means you're attracted to intelligence. What? Yeah. That's a thing? Yeah. That's not a no. real thing. <laughs> it, no, like, it's a douchey way to say that, like... I don't like blonde bimbo You have to be oh, smart. Oh, I remember. I learned about this the hard way on Twitter. <laughs> oh, oh that's right. I remember, remember that. that. I, oh, yes, I remember that. We all yelled at you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun time. <laughs> that was great. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I would be answers to questions that are way too fucking long, <laughs> because I need you to know all the weird shit before you get in line for this ride. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so long. Uh, this was inspired by listening to Skyhopper's After Hours and Ash trying to help Ben craft dating <laughs> online dating responses. Oh my gosh, so pure. Good content. Good. It was, it was good content. Speaking of good content, oh, uh, we saw some bad content on Star Wars Twitter recently. So I'm going to ask you a question about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Great. Do you think that the current concentration camp crisis at the border in the United States 
could have been avoided had George Lucas portrayed concentration camps on Naboo in episode one of the Star Wars saga, A Phantom Menace. No. Absolutely fucking no. There's a very no, obvious, stupid. very obvious answer to this, and it is no. <laughs> There's one answer, and it is nah. Nope. Nope. Great. Wow. Good Easiest talk. question you've ever asked, Annie. <laughs> wow. And we all agree. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Amazing. All right. I guess, Great. I guess we started the podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that are easy, I don't know. Uh, uh, welcome to... I mean, Nath is the first word in your show notes, so you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Time for Alphabet Squadron Part 3, Stages of a Rapidly Decaying Podcast. Did someone change that title, or was that me that wrote that? We only have had the show notes for we, like yeah, 10 Seth, minutes. Seth, so... five minutes ago for us. <laughs> I don't remember writing that. Okay. Uh, stages of rapidly five decaying podcast. Is all it takes to create cut chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Nath is spending his last hours before the siege of Panem Nye checking his droid and ship over. He's not superstitious or religious, so he's practical about increasing the odds of survival instead of just like praying to a god. T5 is uncharacteristically silent. Ragnell drops by to suggest letting an engineer check out the ship because they know ships better than this pilot, and he's like, nah, this is my Y-Wing, and nobody else knows it, like me. The only reason he survived against Shadow Wing last time was because he was lucky, and his ship took hits without blowing up. He's just gotta do that again. The number one way to survive is to not die. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he is a buddy. Is so smart. <laughs> he is a practical man. Yes, that is that is how to describe it. <laughs> he thinks about his team dying, and he's he's done working on the ship now. T5 wants to go have a chat with Adan. He's like, alright, I guess so. Chess is soberly deciding which music she's going to take for the battle. Herglick Rage Metal, Warbat Trance, Glimmick, a lot of weird names. She's gotten the Glimmick files from someone who collected art by people destroyed by the Empire. She'd wanted to find a Thelon singer, but had ended up with the Glimmick instead. Thinking about this So whole... why isn't why isn't Jizz one of the options she's considering here? She has better taste than that. <sighs> what kind of music do we think Glimmick is? Or Warbat Trance for that In matter? In my brain, Glimmick is like glimmer pop but i don't know if it is mm, yeah like super synth heavy yeah mm. real like kind of poppy and fun yeah well but trend sounds like just listening to music that's fun you know <laughs> i mean she describes it in the book i just didn't write down what it was described as because i feel like that was important <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> um <laughs> danny shade um... received <laughs> <laughs> Heard the message no, loud and clear. It's, it's <laughs> saccharine. Saccharine? Sa- how do you say that word? Saccharine. 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 It's saccharine. Saccharine. Yeah, so it's sweet. It's yeah. Yeah. It's poppy, probably. Yeah. Glimmer pop. Yeah. Anyways, thinking about uh races wiped out by the Empire and music that has survived from that, she suddenly panics, being like, What's gonna happen to all of my music when I die? And she thinks she's probably gonna die during this battle. So she starts in a panic yes. writing General Sindula on the box of music when she stops herself because she's like, Did Jin Urso do this before going to Scarif? Probably not. So she grabs a music <laughs> chip she's just chosen for the flight and she heads out. She reaches a ladder on the way to the hangar and realizes that both her hands are full and she can't climb the damn ladder. While struggling with this realization, Will pops up to ask if she's okay. And dramatic reading, I guess. You alright? A voice asked. She flinched and whirled to find Will walking up behind her. Swoosh! Fine! She said. Yeah, I'm fine. She held up both hands, indicating the source of her frustration. Will smiled sympathetically, but there was less warmth to it than she would have expected. She thought of Will as endlessly, irritatingly compassionate, yet there was something suppressed in his demeanor. Are you okay? She asked. I am. Will said. Just taking stock of it all. I came from the aft observation area, watching the blue. Hyperspace still look like hyperspace? It does. No matter where you are in the universe, it always looks the same. He wrinkled his nose. Maybe that should be comforting, but it isn't really. Brings up memories. Yeah. She recalled the hyperspace journeys through the Oridal Cluster aboard the Hellion's Dare. The tension. The worry that the Empire would follow the moment they entered real space. You sure you're ready? She asked. Will held out cupped hands. She poured some of the data chips in and flexed her fingers as he leaned back gingerly against the corridor's piping and conduits. I am. He repeated. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this at all, but we're the only ones left. Chess nodded. Will wasn't finished. 
Though the words came out slowly. Riot Squadron had a mission. Hound Squadron had a mission. Someone has to finish it, and I think we have a certain responsibility. Being part of a squadron means working together, watching out for one another, and picking up the burden when someone else falls. You could go home, Chas said. If you wanted, no one would stop you. I would stop me. Will said. I stopped me once before, on Jiris. And in Oradol, maybe I failed the test, maybe I was a coward like you said. I never said that. Chas thought, but she let him finish. But maybe the test isn't finished. Maybe I only fail if I run now. He sounded sad and quiet, but he smiled anyway and pushed himself off the wall. I'm ready for this. Me too. Chas said. <laughs> Oops. They climbed down the ladder to the hangar. They strolled to Chas's B-Wing and Will returned the data chips to her as she climbed into the cockpit. As Will turned away, she called back to him and said, Remember, we watch out for one another, right? We don't make each other's decisions. Your words, not mine. She thought. Which means you can't argue. Will nodded cautiously. No. He agreed. We can. He still didn't understand, of course, any more than he had on the moon. But Chas was confident he didn't need to. He's sweet babies. Sweet, sweet babes. So are they friends now? Uh, they're on their way. Define friends. <laughs> That's a generous term. <laughs> they're not going to kill each other now, which I guess for them means friends. I'll say, I think that that means a friend for Chas. Yeah. I think for chess, that's that's good. Yeah, that's that's as close as you can get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Lodestar arrives on schedule in real space. Uh, the battle group is in an empty star system off Hyperlane that's near Pandem Nye. I didn't explain all of this stuff last episode, so I'm not going to do it now. There's a quick ab squad briefing, then Will jumps into his A-wing, whispering to it gently. He tries to think of home and thinks instead of the Oradol cluster. Home can wait because he's got one more mission to finish. Yurika launches from the Lodestar. She asks D6 if it's ready and wonders at how she chats with droids now, because that's just weird to her. All the Alphabet Squad ships are standing by. She could have assigned them numbers, but it's a messy rebel squad, not Imperial. And besides, she's still trying to get them to know each other. It feels bad to assign numbers to them instead of just names. She suspects that the detachment of the Imperial training that she has will make it easier for her to kill Shadowing pilots. Grandma is doing admin work instead of anything else. Imperials are coming to restock at Pandem Nye, which is good, but the Republic has gotten an interest in them, which is bad, so she knows an attack is coming soon. She's ready to defend her people, though. I see her stress levels, because <laughs> that's because that's what you do, right? When you're too stressed out and you're overwhelmed, and so you just default back on the easy stuff, like admin work. Yep, that's what she's doing. I see what you're doing, Grandma. <laughs> Grandma is stressed out. It's not good for her health. Mm-mm. Ab Squad drops out of hyperspace at the edge of Pandem Nye. They're in a tight wedge formation. This yeah. doesn't matter at all. I just like that wedge is here in some form. <laughs> wedge. wedge. Wedge formation. Wedge. Sadly enough, not shaped like wedge, just like a pizza. <laughs> Sadly, they're all just what eating if it wedge was? salads. What if it was shaped like wedge? <laughs> they need like 900 ships to make There's only five of them. <laughs> it's a whole fleet. It's a whole fleet. At first, it's just really abstract art. <laughs> yeah. Also, Wedge Wedge has a very simple facial structure, you know. He does, but he has he has hair that just begs you to run your hands through it. Mm, so. That is hard to capture in ships. It is very much. <laughs> They're gonna need some practice. <laughs> the moment they arrive, Kairos instantly sets up a jammer on ten thousand frequencies. It seems like overkill. Yurika can only see Will after a side. Kairos now. overkill? No. <laughs> <laughs> Overkill is her middle name. The only sign that she isn't alone is the fact that she can see Will outside of her dashboard uh, viewport windscreen. Everyone else is flying very close to each other for visuals because the ships and droids can't communicate with the janner- jammer up. If anyone fucks up, the entire squad could just crash into each other and just blow up. But they've been preparing for this, so they're actually ready. As long as they say stay clustered together around the U-Wing, it'll be hard for anyone to see how many ships there are if they actually pick them up on scanners. It's not so hard, right? But no, <laughs> easy. They just have to get I need through. everyone to know that Saf had an entirely separate bullet for not so hard, right? Yeah, it's not so hard. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> they have to get through the entire that minefield. That bullet is carrying a lot of foreshadowing weight right now. I mean, it is fine. They do get through the entire minefield and they're basically blind. Um, because if they... I mean, Alexander Freed titled the third part. <laughs> like, yeah. stages of a rapidly, a rapidly decaying, decaying podcast. Rapidly decaying. Yeah, that's yeah they, he really predicted Rodpod, huh? <laughs> he knows we're fans. He does. If if they get too close to one 
mine, it'll take up the whole squad. Uh, so Yurika moves gently and she never slows and she guides the whole team. And she feels joyful for once because this is the flying she missed, like without any fighting, no blaster bolts, she's just flying. And she's flying good. It takes a long ass time, but they do make it through unscathed. They hit me the atmosphere at speed, and even though the atmosphere isn't like fully dense up high, uh, it's dense enough that the ship's hit it, kind of. Um, Erica moves aside to let the other ships maneuver properly, so nobody crashes, thank god. Fighters fill the scanners as Kairos drops the jamming, which means that as soon as she does that, Orbital 1 knows they're there. Erica tells mm-hmm. her squadron to start their passes. Loud music suddenly fills the speakers, and Chas apologizes for not filtering out her music properly. Eureka decides not to reprimand her, because she can do that if they actually survive this thing. <laughs> yeah, why, why waste the time? <laughs> yeah. There is no time for this. Grandma isn't easily impressed, and she's sure as hell not impressed now. Squad's but they did a wedge formation, Grandma. <laughs> what more do you expect? That's she's such not impressive spaceship easily art. impressed. It's right there. I guess. <laughs> this sneaky she's like, I wanted a full her... wedge proposing to a uh, supposed widow formation. <laughs> oh my god. See, that would impress her. I feel like that would. a lot. That would impress me. <laughs> the sneaky entry cost her seconds of readiness, but she doesn't see why she should be impressed because it's not like this entire, like this small little squadron can actually take out her entire thing. It looks like it's a precision raid of only a few fighters with no capital ships or anything else in detection range. So easy to take care of. But she knows a bigger attack will probably come after. It'll only take five minutes to launch all of the 204th and by that point, like, other ships can jump in and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. She is curious what the enemy has in store though. Chess skims around Orbital 1, dodging laser fire. Yurika asks her if she sees the target. I see it. Watch what I do next. Okay, clickbait Twitter. She sees... <laughs> <laughs> I love her reply there so much. She sees some ties, but that's Yurika's job. Chess's is to be destruction personified. She finds the closed doors of the port hangar bay and lets loose everything she has on it. She's not sure how much damage she did because there's a bunch of smoke in the way, so Yurika tells her to make another pass. They'll make a third if they got her. Chess thinks that the mission is impossible, so it's perfect. Oh, Chess. <laughs> oh, buddy. Will stays close to the Y-Wing, um, clinging to it like a jealous lover. Thanks, Freed, for that description. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Some major Will-Nath tension going on there. Yep. Yeah. His job is to keep Nath alive. That's that's all it. That's all it is. Neskims That's the job. There's nothing else he has to care about. Neskims the superstructure as he picks off turrets. Will tells his ship he's scared and he's not ashamed of it. Nath lets him know he sees the target. Will promises to get him there unscathed. He flies gracefully. Pretty, like telling commentary that the Y-wing pilot requires an entirely separate pilot to spend 100% of their job just protecting the Y-wing pilot. <laughs> Seems like a waste of a ship. Yeah. <laughs> your ship sucks so bad that you need a second ship just to make sure that your ship, ship doesn't get hit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not great. Not great, Nath. <laughs> Interesting choice there, Nath. Will gets no kills even though he's playing gracefully, but regardless, he manages to scatter the ties away from Nath. Nath hammers the starboard hangar doors with so much power that Will's ship bounces around in the ripples of it. He did enough damage to buy them a few minutes, but they're still going to do another pass. Kairos descends into the atmosphere, and I'm going to read this really quickly because Kairos is really cool. Um, as soon as I find it. What? Sorry. <laughs> Are you being That's chess right fun. now? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Scarlet bled its darker hues and became tawny. Tawny wisps became pale ochre. It was as if she were passing through the layers of a painting, as if there were beauty surrounding her instead of violence and disaster. She longed to press her face through the viewport, to extend her tongue and flare her nostrils and taste the colours, as she might have when she was young. And, but in truth, there was nothing beautiful at Pandem Nye. I don't know what this means, but I love it. Erica is also longing for Kairos to extend her tongue. She sure is! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's what I took away from that. (laughs) That's an interesting thing to take away from anything. (laughs) Really. Um, I'm not going to complain that you're on board with my ship. I mean, it's a good ship. It's just a questionable time to bring it up. (laughs) That's a Danny Pirtle story. I'm glad you're on board, but it's a questionable time to bring it up. <laughs> the title of your sex tape. Oh. <laughs> Think about it. That is good. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Kairos, now that she's been, like, hidden by the atmosphere, pulls up very quickly, and there are thuds and groans from the cabin. They're like, mm. Did, can you warn us next time you do that? And she's like, oh yeah, I hadn't thought to warn the people inside of my ship about that. Um, there's people? <laughs> there's people in her ship. <laughs> it is a carrier ship, so it makes sense. She heads... Oh, it carries people. Yeah, yeah. She heads right up for Orbital 1. She's ready to get vengeance and cause destruction, basically. She thinks that the Empire would be pleased at the violence she's going to commit, but there's nothing to be done about that right now. The part of her that craves death gets excited at the scent of battle, but she stays in control. She's not only following Yurika because Yurika promises what she wants, she also carries debts to Adan, maybe? She's a bit vague there, but that's kind of what I'm gathering. It seems like it. Like, it seems like they have a... Because they met in prison, so mm. it seems like they have a thing There's something happening. there. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to know. I just want to know what's up with her. And I know I have to wait we'll till the next know. books, but I don't want to. He's never going to tell us. It will not be in any of the books. Alex Freed, please. God. It'll be like a comic 15 years from now. I'm going to be so mad. I'm going to be so <laughs> mad. So mad. She gets in close to the station and meets with the executive docking bay. It's unsecure, so there are no guards or anything, because I guess nobody expected anyone to break in that way. The spec op forces aboard her U-wing head out, and she assembles a turret to hold her position while she waits. She wishes she, wishes she wasn't this creature that causes such violence, but for now she has to be. She's waiting, she's hoping her metamorphosis into something better will happen soon, which I think is kind of cool. Adan doesn't really want to be aboard the Lodestar. He doesn't want to be this close to the action, but he doesn't really want any victory taken away from him, and maybe he'll be useful. Adan! <laughs> <laughs> So he can't have it both ways. Yeah, so he's just watching as the battle group arrives just outside the minefield. They move to blockade but not push through the mines yet. He's anxious that his plan means everyone's lives are on the line now because in theory that was cool. In practice he's like, oh shit, a lot of people could die and it all be my fault. So now he can only hope that Yerika does well. Grandma remains unimpressed, but now she's starting to get annoyed. She recalls all vessels into atmosphere to keep them away from the fleet that's just jumped in. All the resources are put into repairing the hangar bays, which apparently will take like 15 or so minutes to fix, and she is not okay with that. The messenger suddenly floats out into the command center. She waits for instructions, because why else would it be there, but it remains silence. So she just tells it that they'll remain, they'll emerge victorious. Nath has a plan. So weird. Once again, Nath has a plan, and it's not the official plan, per se. It's Nath's plan. (laughs) Nath's plan. He does feel bad he's going to make Will's life harder. He asks the kid to give him some space for the next run and then pulls closer to the station. One tie follows him and he doesn't want witnesses to what he's doing, so he squeezes his ship through a tiny gap in the station's frame. T5 is extremely unhappy about that. He does get the tie though. Nath's plan sounds like the name of like a TV show or a podcast where Nath just like gives you life advice, like life hacks. <laughs> oh my god, I would say <laughs> like really practical stuff. <laughs> like if you want to survive, don't die. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Nath's that's the plan. whole episode. <laughs> I would fully listen to that, I'm not gonna lie. But it's good advice. Like, it's like that's the whole episode, but it still has like a full two minute opening and a <laughs> yeah. one minute credit. <laughs> and a bloopers. And it's like top listener is just Will. Of course. Will yeah. listens to every episode. <laughs> Subscribe to the Patreon. Was like this podcast has changed my life. <laughs> I don't, don't know what I would do without it. Die. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. Nath gets in close to the station and jumps out of his ship, or like, uh, ejects out of his ship. He tells T5 to keep the kid alive while he's gone, if T5 can. He gets to an emergency hatch and pulls himself inside before his magnetic harness loses grip and he falls to his death. Will asks if he is alright because he's disappeared off the comms for a second. He replies as if he was still in his Y-wing, being like, yeah, I'm fine, keep going, keep going. Mm. He's a sneaky boy. Yurika needs to stop thinking of TIE pilots as her comrades because she keeps doing that. She sees- She's really gotta stop. She really does. And also, She's comrades like- is really like fascist language, Yurika, and if you had any history or context, you would know that. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> Either way, she gotta stop. She gotta stop. I'm not gonna say that the Empire is communist, because it's really not. (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) I think she's just using it as a synonym for friend, uh, which also bad. Also bad. I mean, she doesn't understand the word friend, so it has to be comrades really the closest. That's all she's got. (laughs) She sees the faces of her previous squad when she fires at the ships but she doesn't feel any grief which i think means she should really be going to therapy 
She so is participating, participating in therapy. Participating yeah. In therapy. yeah Meek, Meek's got it there. The operative. <laughs> she is not participating. I like that we finally have characters going to therapy in one of these books, but they're really not doing anything to help themselves. She's doing real bad. Like, it's a really realistic we- representation of people going to therapy. <laughs> Damn it, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> one of her thrusters is cutting out and Chas is trailing smoke. They can't last like this forever. She has to be clever as a rebel, she thinks, so she looks for a solution and finds it. Chas laughs at Erica's plan. Erica wants her to take out a gas storage pod that's connected to the orbital station. She's terrified as she flies up and faces the pod, which is reminiscent of the Death Star. She directs everything in her ship to weapons and fires. She watches as the explosion takes out the ties that Erica had led into the blast. They've made breathing new room, but they're not done yet. Will, of where Will is, recognizes Char and Blink. He asks Nath for a hand, but the man is busy. But Will really needs help. He'll lead a tie, he leads a tie in front of the Y-Wing, expecting Nath to shoot. The Y-Wing, piloted by D5, misses, and Will knows he's gonna die. Again. Great. He doesn't die. Again. The gas pod explosion <laughs> on the other side knocks everyone out of place, and the TIE fighter misses. The station is burning, and Kairos is still inside, he realizes. He hopes she's safe, because there's nothing he can do. Grandma is now pissed. She needs to get the ties launched, and the messenger isn't saying anything or doing anything to help. She's over it. She demands that they blast the hangar doors open and they can fix any damage later. Cairo stays by her ship and kills a few stormtroopers who come near the turret. She's impatient, but she waits. The moment the spec ops tell her that the detonators are in place, she heads into the cockpit and sends a signal. Erica watches Shadowing blow its way out of the hangars. On the other side, Will is watching the same thing. This is bad. She dives to get to Chas when Kairos' signal arrives. She orders to blow the reactor right then and there. Adan, back on the Lodestar, doesn't understand Hera's look of horror. Sure, they were meant to blow the reactors with Shadowing inside, so they didn't quite achieve it, but the mission is still working. Hera, mm. <laughs> Hera, reading all the reports, is asking what critical temperature means. What happens if they don't get the fires under control in the atmosphere? Suddenly, Adan understands. He doesn't know whether he's won or lost. <sighs> I don't think that's what it's about anymore, buddy. Adan... <laughs> There's no way you're winning. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's losing in this scenario. Including Orbital One, who's having a really bad time. But the reactor... A bad time. (laughs) A really bad time. It's on fire. Uh, The reactor detonation isn't intended to destroy it, just disarm it. The ties are flying around, all distressed at what to do, and Yurika keeps diving for chess. But explosions keep wrecking Orbital One. Yurika suddenly realizes that the gas pods on the station are getting hot enough to blow and they're setting each other off. The atmosphere is literally catching on fire. Yurika now can only think of Operation Cinder. Great. Great work. Chess's B-Wing rides the waves of fire. She doesn't know what's happening, but she's going to keep fighting with deafening, deafening, wow, with deafening music as her score. She thinks of Jyn Ursa. Will can't tell if the firestorm is intended or not. His A-Wing won't last long in it because it's a delicate ship. He and the Ties are running from the fire. Char and Blink are still trying to kill him. He cries out to Nath because he can't find his partner and protect him. Nath tells him to look after himself, so he continues to flee. Nath is still aboard the station, and he also has no clue what's happening. He's probably made a mistake coming here, but oh well. Nobody stops him on the way to command. He watches Grandma from, like, the doorway, starting to panic. She's ordering gas tankers to withdraw from the atmosphere because if they catch fire, they could incinerate the entire planet. And she doesn't want that on her conscience. Which is ironic, considering she was part of Project Cinder. Yep. As soon as her aide leaves, he steps into the room, addressing her as grandmother. She killed his team, so it's time to talk. Yurika, outside again, is struggling in the firestorm. She's getting flashbacks to Cinder, and as she watches a spoke of the station fall away, she remembers that there's a city underneath somewhere. The wreckage will destroy everything beneath it. She dies without thinking. She reaches the falling spoke and tears it apart with her guns. Will reaches her over the comms. He asks her, what have we done? She takes responsibility. She says they failed to take Pandem Nye, and this is now a rescue mission. Will asks what that means, but there's no reply. He tries everybody else's channels, and nobody does. He's alone, just like an Oridol. He tries to figure out who he can help right now. He spots a tanker trying to flee, and realizes what could happen if the fire reaches it. He asks the tanker- Will is so good. He's so good. His first instinct when he realizes this is not how to save himself, but who can he help? He's such a good boy. He asks the tanker if he can assist it, and doesn't get a reply. So he does what he can. He shoots the moorings of the containment pods until one falls, hopefully to explode without much harm on the surface instead of catching in the atmosphere. He doesn't quite get the second pod free by the time the ties catch up with him. Another ship knocks it free, and he sees Kairos and her Ewing. The t- they team up to knock out the pods. Char and Blink are still bugging him, and he's like, now is not the time. <laughs> <laughs> but he thinks of the last time they encountered, and he has an idea. Chas is among the main swarm of the ties and honestly doesn't care what's happening or if she dies now. She's having a good time. And 
I guess she's expecting to die. When she's just about yeah. given up, ready for a martyrdom not quite like Jin's, the tie's all up and leaves suddenly. She hears Will over the comms telling everyone to help him save the planet. She's mad he's taking away from her again, so she reignites her thrusters and heads out into the storm, determined to find a fight worthy of her. Chess is fine. Chess. She's fine. <laughs> Chess. <laughs> Chess, please. She's fine. Grandma, inside, is just like, you really want to do this now of all times? And that's like, oh yeah, why not? I'm here. Might as well. As long... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in this is just like, really? Now? Right now? I, lo- I love the interaction between Nath and Grandma because it's so... <laughs> She's just like, come on, seriously? And Nath is just like, smoking a cigarette, just like, sure, why not? <laughs> We're doing it. It's like, no, we are not. <laughs> I need some new content for my next episode. <laughs> Oh my god. Nath is like, as long as you answer my questions quickly, it'll all be fine. Mm. It'll be fine. She asks what he actually wants. He wants to know who had been part of the team that killed his people. She pauses. She pulls up like a file about it and she pauses while reading out the roster. And he wants to know what she's seen. They're all dead and she'd forgotten that. He wants to know how they're all dead. And she's like, seven months is a long time for a TIE pilot. That's an extremely long time. (laughs) Yeah, they go through them very quickly. Yeah. Like, do you remember that ties have no shields? Like, (laughs) No shields. He's like, but they were the best. And she's like, yeah, they were. And they died. They have no shields. Like, Also, that team wasn't the best of Shadow Wing. So his team didn't even get destroyed by the best of the best, which I guess is rubbing salt in the wound. Thanks, Grandma. (laughs) Nath is disappointed because he'd come for vengeance and they were all dead already. He demands to know who signed off on the plan. Grandma did. He asks for Yurika's file and he gets it transferred to data chip because something about it is interesting. Hmm. She asks if they're done. He shoots her in the chest. Now he's done. Grandma is dying. Her eyes find the messenger, and she asks it to tell her why. Why? Why? It says nothing. So she dies wondering if she'd made a mistake following the Empire all that time. Yes. (laughs) Maybe there was no grand plan. Yurika remembers the name of the city under Orbital 1 very quickly. Very suddenly. It's Indu... (sighs) Indukron. She spots it as she dips up and down to destroy the debris. She's going to protect it even if it kills her. Back on Lodestar, Hera is saying they need to get everyone in to help Pandem Nye. Adan doesn't want them to move in because then Shadowwing will flee because the blockade will be gone. Hera knows that, but saving innocent lives is more important. He hears Ido in his head as his conscience, and he wants a drink. Instead, he receives Yurika's file from Nath. The Ties aren't trying to kill Will anymore. They're helping to disconnect the gas pods from the tankers. All he can do is pray it works. He whispers to his ship as he speeds towards the tanker. The fire is getting so close that it takes out Char, and he actually feels a moment of sadness about that. The pods are glowing, they're about to blow, like, completely blow up, and they're gonna keep trying anyway. Chess can't find anyone left to fight. She has no more music, she's alone, and she doesn't want to die like this. She sees what she thinks is a carrier cruiser trying to escape with some shadowing. She tries to reset her subsystems, but all that happens is that her music starts again. Then the rest of her ship comes online. She can shoot again. She's gonna get to that ship. Will's voice breaks through the comms. She doesn't want this voice, but he needs her help with the tanker. She doesn't want to listen to him or Yurika. She's like, you don't need my help. Just let me do this. Because she wants to destroy Shadowwing and die doing it. He asks again, girl, please listen to your friends. (laughs) He asks her again for help and she says goodbye and to tell people about her. Nath cuts in, being like, sister, there ain't going to be no heroes today. Especially not you. He's got a point. Thanks, Nath. (laughs) Thanks, Nath. Once again, his podcast, Saving Lives. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that is absolutely what ball, he does. A ball of positivity over here. <laughs> He's got a point because nobody's going to care right now if she takes down a cruiser carrier. Will asks for help again. They're all right, and that is extremely frustrating. So she swoops up and joins her squadron, disconnecting the pods from the tankers. Yurika's ship, down well, is falling apart, but she refuses to eject until every bit of debris is gone or her cannons no longer work. She's chasing a massive wheel that her lasers are barely denting. Why are there wheels in space? Can't tell you. Suddenly, a proton torpedo streaks out of her X-Wing. She thanks D6, though it probably can't hear her. She tries to pull out the dive, but her portfolios are missing, because something is sheared through them. Her X-Wing plummets to Panem Nye. She awakens in her crash fighter. She's still in one piece, though she's got broken bones. She forces herself out of her harness and looks out at Indukron in the distance. She can only mm. hope that she helped it survive. Above, Orbital 1 burns. Scavenger animals find her ship and she struggles to get her weapon in her hands. D6 has no lights and she finds herself mourning it. This is this was the saddest part for me, honestly, was her realizing D6. that D6 is probably dead. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. 
I'm hoping my theory that I used for Rogue One, that as long as K2's uh, brain survived, they could rebuild him and he'd be fine. I'm hoping they do that with D6. Yeah. They better, because <laughs> they D6 better. is a hero. D6 is a goddamn hero. Yuriko doesn't have the heart to live, but she refuses to die to beach scavengers. I feel like this is this entire squadron. Yeah. <laughs> except except Chess, who would be like, come get me. <laughs> oh my god. She spends a long time awake, primed to shoot at them when they get close, but eventually she hears a rumble. A Ewing descends, landing near her, and she squints, and she's really disappointed to not make out the alphabet squadron symbol on the ship, so it's not Kairos. Instead, Ito and Adan step out of the ship. He knows about her last mission, and he wants a confession, despite her being extremely dizzy and concussed. So she tells her true story. She had never believed in the Empire from the start, but she had believed in her team, thanks to Soren Keys. In the six months after Endor, as Imperials were constantly dying, she forgot what she'd wanted, she forgot that she wanted to join the Rebellion, and she had nothing else to fight for except for the people around her. She'd slept in Sergeant Grief's bed just for comfort. Gay. Yeah. Pretty gay. <laughs> <laughs> then Cinder started. On the day of Necronus' destruction, she followed all her normal routines. Then her teammates had started to die. She watched as everyone else left while the storms were destroying Necronus. She flew through the destroyed Necronus and pretended she had engine trouble so that she could land. She climbed out of her fighter and looked at Necronus and promised herself she'd return to a squadron soon, but she couldn't. Another tie landed near her. Keys climbed out. He told her that she shouldn't be here. Shouldn't be in the tour force to begin with. She'd been getting sicker as she stays away with the... She's getting sicker the longer she stays with the Empire. Empire. He pushes her to realize that she has to leave. Like, straight up leave. To do what she wanted to do in the first place, which is join the rebels. She asks if he's ordering her to do this, and he says yes. He's not going with her, though, because he doesn't have the sickness. But maybe he can help others who do get out. He'll leave the Empire soon, but he won't join the rebels. He destroyed her craft and injured her to make her defection believable. She practiced her story for three days while she waited for them to find her. Adan has no sympathy. She destroyed a world and she almost did the same today. She asks what he's going to do and he's not going to do anything. She's going to keep doing what he wants because he has her truth now. Because sure, Grandma is dead, but Shadowing is still alive and has escaped. Adan still intends to finish the job. He tells her to enjoy the victory because it might be a long time before she gets another. The victory party is aboard the Lodestar. There's still cleanup to be done, but it's time to celebrate. And even Hera says that she'll allow it. Will gets Chess's boy. Will gets called Chess's boy and Alphabet Boy by Spec Ops guys, who he can't help but love. <laughs> Eventually, Alphabet Boy. Alphabet Boy. Eventually, he slips away from the party on his own. He finds T5 in the hangar and is real happy to see him. <laughs> Nath greets him too. They'd both been the luckiest with the damage from the fight. Yurika's X-Wing had been destroyed, as well as D6. They both hope that maybe its memory core is okay and it can be rebuilt. When they know for sure it's dead, they'll drink to it, for being a war hero. They talked for hours. They talk for hours. Will eventually asks when Nath went during the fight. Nath is surprised Will realized he wasn't in his ship anymore, and they both promise to watch each other's backs. Will isn't going home yet, because Shadowwing is still around. If everyone else stays, Will will too. Except he's kind of lying about his reasons because he doesn't actually want vengeance. He just can't bear to leave his new squadron because they're all misses and he thinks they may die. Will. <laughs> will, who is like the one who always gets in trouble, is like, no, I have to be around to help them if something bad happens. I mean, he's like, not will, wrong. Everyone has to help you all the time. <laughs> he did keep Nath alive. He did. Kind of. In his way. In his way. Look, he's not wrong that his team is a mess. <laughs> no, he's absolutely true. But I think it's very cute that he thinks that, like, well, it's my responsibility. And, like, baby boy. It is very cute. He is a sweet boy. Baby boy. Baby boy. Home can wait for the sake of his squadron. Chess and Kairos elsewhere are playing cards together. Kairos is winning, obviously. Obviously. Chess is actually finding the other woman's presence soothing. She mm. talks at Kairos a bunch but gets no reply. After a while, Kairos taps Chess's wrist and points upwards. It takes Chess a moment to realize that the music playing at the party is her Deva pop. She threatens Kairos that she's going to kill her if she stole her music. Oh my god, Which Chess. you're absolutely not going to. <laughs> Will arrives and she welcomes him with open arms. Throughout the night, Nath stays near her squad mates. He buys them drinks and makes sure that they're looking after each other. And when Hera comes in, he invites her over and buys her a drink. She tells, him that she tells the entire team that they turned a disaster into a victory and they should be proud. He's actually surprised by how much he enjoys hanging out with this team and Hera. It feels natural. Eventually, they all kind of leave to go to bed, except Hera and Nath. He asks if she really believes what she said, that they'd turned it into a victory. She just says that he's a suspicious man, almost as bad as Adan. Adan had paid him the money 
for Yurika's info. As far as Nest's concerned, that job is now over and he does not work for Adan anymore. Eventually, Hera admits that they're all still learning. The rebels are old hands at losing, but they're still learning how to win. Yurika arrives at the party half past midnight from the medical frigate. She wants to go straight to bed, but she kind of has to go through all the parties first. She can't think of any victory parties aboard the Pursuer, which is another big difference between the Empires and the Rebels. She spots Chess at one point, but pushes down the urge to go to her. She thinks she should let her squad celebrate without her because she still hasn't learned her goddamn lesson. <laughs> I guess Erica becoming human will have to wait for book two. This kills me! Yeah. She's so close! They're so, they're so close! Jeez. This is so close. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Not today, my friend. She's like, today. what if I ignore my squadron? <laughs> what if I ignore my desire to become friends with people and instead don't become friends with people? As she's being a wallflower, Ido finds her. She thanks it for treating her on the U-Wing, and it's like, I'm glad I got to use those skills for once. And she thinks about the fact that it's usually a torture droid. It offers to bring her over to her team if she wants to join them, because they'd welcome her. She refuses, and Ito asks her to join it instead, because it considers her a friend. Because would anyone else spend a victory party with a torture droid? She, I, would. I would. I absolutely would. I absolutely would. <laughs> I have a big crush on Ito. So... I love Ito. That is how I would prefer to spend a victory party. <laughs> didn't realize that was an option but yes yeah yes. that's an option Sign i'm me all for it absolutely i mean of all the imperial droids that we've gotten as like characters in movies recently they've all been great k2 bb9e ito great yurika relents and agrees that at least for tonight they can be friends ito tries to make her feel better about panem nai but she doesn't want that it takes her to where they can see the planet ito offers its theory on operation cinder as a friend because as a therapist it would usually let her figure out that stuff on her own <laughs> The answer, the Emperor was not a brilliant or strategic man, he was just a cruel, spitty, pity, and spiteful old man. Yes. Yurika asks how to get past that because he'd ruled the entire galaxy for like 20 years. But that's what they're all trying to figure out now. They both laugh, and I think that's very cute. Ha 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 ha. It's a very cute That's ending. exactly what Ito sounds like when, <laughs> when it laughs. Oh my just God. a robot voice. Ha 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 ha. I imagine Ito has, like, a laugh track, like, the 70s, like, sitcoms. (laughs) (laughs) Some, like, applause in there sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) It makes everyone really uncomfortable. (laughs) I love it. Will loves it. Will thinks it's great. Will Will, thinks it's charming. I was trying to make Ito laugh, but Ito doesn't, like, It was Will's idea. It was Will's idea. (laughs) Will's like, you need... You need to do more things that will make people comfortable. So, like, what makes people comfortable? Smiling. and you, Well, you can't really smile. So what about laughter? <laughs> laughter. <laughs> There's nothing better than a sitcom. So obviously the sitcom laughter is what you should play. So and Ito's like, this seems like a relatable. smart idea. Yeah. This is why. Well, well people like Will. Okay. <laughs> yeah, people like Will. He's charming. He knows He knows what people want to hear. So he okay. listens, Ido listens to it, and then forever on, it's Ido just has canned laughter as his laughter. <laughs> it's so funny. We haven't actually gotten any interactions between Ido and Will, have we? No, not yet. No, which it's means a- that we can headcanon them all. That's a goddamn yep. crime, but also Which I'm means glad. we're correct. <laughs> we are correct. Thank you, Free, exactly. for this gift. <laughs> and that is the end of the Alphabet Squadron part of Alphabet Squadron. But now we return to Devon, who is now in Vernid. Where it rains a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. It's probably like the forks of uh, the Star Wars universe. Which is a Twilight (laughs) reference for those who don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's where the vampires live. It's where the vampires live. Forks, Washington. (laughs) Devin's actually fond of this place. He hangs out with his workmates at a cantina, and they all watch the news of Pandem Night together. He can't help but call the New Republic bastards, because they'd swooped in without caring about collateral damage. Everyone's like, uh, you think the Empire is bastards? And he's like, no, the New Republic. And Cleven is like, I think anything done to the imps is justice. Does Devin disagree? And he sure does. He's close to having an actual outburst about this. Everyone else in the cantina is just like, hey, you've had too much to drink, you better get out of here and cool down, maybe have a sleep. And so he does. He's getting sick of having to leave places. 
The next day at work, he's wary of everyone. He's already working out the best way to leave, but he's exhausted of having to do this. He stays late to avoid others, but Cleven comes in to ask if he's coming to join them at the cantina tonight. He lies and says his stomach hurts, and Cleven asks if that how he, is that is how he always settles things, by being a goddamn coward. <laughs> <laughs> Cleven. Also, I cannot take Cleven seriously, because it's literally just Kevin with an extra <laughs> Kevin with an L. That's why I keep this name in here. Also, like, it's a scene Cleven. with Devin and Cleven, and I'm just like... It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Just... <laughs> cannot... For for this whole thing to try to be impactful, and it's Devin and Cleven, <laughs> I just cannot. Cleven. Yeah. Nath needs to get them on his podcast. Oh my god, he Cleven. does. Today I'm talking to Devin and Cleven. <laughs> Honestly, oh Cleveland has about as practical advice as Nath, so I feel like they'd get along well. <laughs> they'd be very good friends. It would be. <laughs> Devin says that he came to Vernard looking for quiet, and if he's causing too much noise, he'll leave. It's a genuine offer because he's dealt with too much of that. Cleveland's like, are you fucking serious, man? You're acting like this because of politics? We don't give a fuck about your politics here. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good man and a good worker, and he can stay as long as he wants, as long as he doesn't whine about it. <laughs> Devin's just like, wait, you're not gonna kill me because of my politics? And they're all like, no. So he goes No, just Cleven. shut up about <laughs> like, it. No, just don't be a dick. Like, come on, man. <laughs> hey, keep your shit to yourself. Like. So he actually- Oh god, I zoomed in real close. Hang on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> He joins Cleveland to go to the cantina to hang out with everyone again. He's real paranoid, but he notices that nobody's actually watching him and nobody wants to fight or kill him. So he dares Whoa. to hope. The next day is the Red Moon Festival. He joins his co-workers for food, drinks, and games. Tyros, another person, offers to set him up with someone. He's like, maybe someday, but not today. What is with I'm, these rhyming names? I'm very disappointed, though, <laughs> that this name wasn't like... Bevan? <laughs> yeah, or like... <laughs> Revan? <laughs> Oh no, Rivet's not allowed here. <laughs> right, like Tyron. Like just Tyron. just something something else. Tyvan. 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 That's his name now, it's Tyvan. I'm never mentioning it again, but that's it. Before midnight, Whoa. Devin wanders off alone. Cleven finds him, and he's followed by two people who are clearly not from Bernard. He makes it very clear that they want to meet Devin and they didn't really give him a choice. They say they're with the New Republic Intelligence and they want Devin to come with them. He doesn't want to, so they start shooting, and even Cleven fights to help Devin. Cleven's like, well, I saw them. They pulled first and shot first, so it doesn't matter that we killed them. But don't worry, there's plenty of places for bodies to go missing on Vernard. Great. It's like Maine. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but Devin knows that he can't stay here. He has to leave again. Cleven tries to tell him that they've got his back here, like everyone, even the supervisors. But no. He doesn't want to have to put everyone's lives in danger for him again. When Cleven is gone, Devin thinks of Yurika. What? And Shadowing. What? He knows them. Oh my god. What a twist. What? He knows from the news reports that Grandma is gone now and that there is nobody leading Shadowing, despite the fact that there is still some Shadowing left. He knows what he needs to do. He leaves Devin dead with the New Republic officers because Major Soren Keys is going back to Shadowing. Can I just say? <laughs> yeah? Can yeah, I just say can. that can. I am so so glad of this reveal because like Devin seemed like an interesting and cool person but hated the name hated the name <laughs> so, so much i'm just i'm just so glad that no for real it's Soren Keys which is a cool name <laughs> can i just so i just want i just want to make it clear for everybody uh i read this book before doing this and then i read it again to write the notes and on my second reading i had already forgotten who Devin was even though I remember that he was important. Um, so I got to the final chapter and I was like, what the, where the fuck does Devin go? Like, what happens at the end of his thing? And then I got to the end, I was like, oh my, oh my god, I can't believe I forgot he was literally Soren Keys. I can't believe that. He's literally Keys. Because I spent this whole book again being like, oh, I'm so mad that Soren Keys is dead because he seems so cool. Yeah, I'm really sad that his response to all of this is to go back to the Empire. Yeah, like I see, I... I get it, but I also, I'm like, dude, come on. You're so close to having, like, a breakthrough there. You're so close. Right, right. Like, because and... he, he knows that, like, Yurika belonged in the Rebellion, and he's been trying to help people not be used by the Empire, but he's still like, I have right. to go back to the Empire. And it's like, no, yeah, you like, don't. That's, that's what doesn't make sense. But I feel like it will make sense. I hope so. Alex because... Freed will make it make sense, I think. Because... He better. Okay. Like, I don't know... 
not all of us have read Twilight Company, but there is a character in Twilight Company called Chalice who's kind of like similarly morally grey, um, and she's done really well. So I feel like Soren Keys will also be done well. I guess That's we'll good. find out with the next Alphabet Squadron book whenever it comes out. In like six years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to wait. Yay, that's Alphabet Squadron! That's Alphabet Squadron! We did it! We did it! Great. We read a book. We will talk about that more next time. We will. More we'll have an come discussion. Yeah. On the reading a book <laughs> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We're not quite done with it yet. No. But we are for Gosh. right now. So, for, Keith. For today. Yeah, listener questions. Keith, do last it! Week, <laughs> last week we asked something about the emperor's messengers i don't remember what <laughs> we asked i think we asked people what they pictured them as what they look like yeah what they look like yes mm-hmm. uh did we answer this last week wait, i did know, whatever that was. wait we did i did i, I said they I had spider legs like malls oh yeah we totally I think did. We all did i think we all, we gave... all did yeah. Because yeah. I think I had an answer. Right. I've already forgotten what it was, but I had yeah. one. No, I said, I remember one. I said that they had the, I said that they were made, the cloaks were made of like really luxurious crushed velvet. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. I have a new answer. Yes. It's Danny. that they look like the Emperor's guards from Return of the Jedi, the red like guard people in the, in the throne room, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. they're the Funko Pop versions of them. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Truly horrifying. That's good. Um, Should we hear what our listeners had to say then? Absolutely. I guess. All right. Yeah, if we have to. (laughs) Mika said, the messengers look like the robot version of Darkseid Kermit. Instead of floating, instead of floating, they move on one single wheel. One might say they look like a frog on a unicycle. Oh, I see where you're going with this. (laughs) Throughout the Empire, their arrival is unanimously greeted with, oh shit, what up? What? <laughs> it's that boy. So that boy is it's that emperor. Emperor's that messenger. messenger. Imagine it's that final messenger. scene with grandma and it's <laughs> fucking that boy. It's that boy. <laughs> oh shit! What up? I yeah, she's, she's she's like dying. She's like, it, please like, dying. tell why? me why. Oh shit! What up? Oh shit! What up? And you just got a message. It. Just whispers it to her. Oh shit! Did you guys? X-Wings and History said, I don't have a good answer to the listener question, so I'm going to instead point out that in Young Jedi Knights books, the second Imperium was led by a hologram of Palpatine that was really just four stormtroopers with a copy of Deepfakes. This fooled thousands of people. <laughs> that is true. Just four stormtroopers with some really good technology. Yep. The second yep. Imperium. Is that what they called it? The second Imperium? Because that's fucking rad. Yeah, they did. Shit, I need to read these books just for that. I mean, we can read Crystal Star. <laughs> we gotta do it one day, you know Second we are. Second Imperium Padron. Imperium Padron. I'm here for it. I love Young Jedi Knights, so that that was my youth. <laughs> Alright, Dinner Leader said, Palp's messengers are shapeless silhouettes, as black as a black hole. They make any room darker. Are they dementors? Yeah. If you get too close, the feeling you get is the emotional equivalent of feeling of greasy hair. Ooh. What I don't like that. With this listener response. <laughs> it would be the most terrifying thing in existence, except something went wrong with the audio file and the hard drive, and every message to every Imperial, Admiral, General, Moff, and Director sounded like the Emperor had ingested helium <laughs> before recording. <laughs> 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 oh no, that's actually that's good. good. Uh, Greg said the Emperor's messengers are Furbies on stilts. I truly hate that. <laughs> what? What if they speak Dude, like Furbies too? It. They absolutely <laughs> speak like Furbies. Oh yeah, they're tall Furbies. <laughs> I appreciate how simple this answer is. Yeah, the others yeah. are like paragraphs and this one's like, yeah. they're just Furbies, Furbies on stilts, bitch! Like, you know exactly what I mean by that. <laughs> there is there is no room for imagination. <laughs> There is none because it's the truth. Uh, yeah. And finally, Tom the Fanboy said Sentinel droids are imposing because they have tall IG-88 style bodies and limbs, a daft punk helmet head with Edward Scissorhands hands. The Sentinels wear... Is that the plural of Edward Scissorhands? <laughs> it's just, just his hands. It's have just... we ever had need for that before? <laughs> Edward's Wait, no, I think it's meant to be... I think, wait, I think it's meant to be an apostrophe there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, this is gonna keep me up all night. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, goddammit. This is gonna mess me up for a long time. 
<laughs> Just anyway. listen to the minor version of All Star. <laughs> <laughs> the Sentinels wear a big red duvet cover that makes them look like they are playing an Imperial Senator in a school play. They glide around like they have repulsors, but the robes hide a pair of silent red patent leather disco roller skates. Oh, I love that. I love those roller skates. I like that they're silent Sorry, somehow. You lost, you lost me in the first sentence. Silent. <laughs> You're like gone. sentinel droids. You no. have the Edward technical name for them. <laughs> That's the hang up here. I want to see, are there any like naked sentinel droids? Uh, um, you should um, Google that. I am. I'm doing it. Great. I feel like we first have to oh. define what makes a droid naked. It's not wearing clothes. Oh no, is but he, according to 3PO... Naked in the first movie? Yeah. He says he is. When have you seen a droid wear clothes? <laughs> okay, what if, though? Oh, C- C-3PO has a vest on. Alright, he's not naked anymore. <laughs> but just a vest. <laughs> Wait. AK droids. Wait. Now I'm just thinking of, like, C-3PO in, like, Donald Duck's outfit. <laughs> just the like, little sailor top oh and the hat. God. No bottoms. Wait, Star Wars Central droids... Oh, what? Star Wars Sentinel droids aren't these guys. Maybe, I don't know if Tom's saying that these are also called Sentinel droids, or if these are literally Sentinel droids, like HK-47, doing this. Tom, for once you needed to elaborate for my sake. (laughs) No, Tom, we're good, actually. Tom, just tweet at me. Please explain it to me on Twitter. Don't worry about the others. Don't worry about that. It's fine. Tom, explain this to Seth. Please do. I need to know uh, I want to give a glistening Bodhi to Greg. Fair for sure. simplicity and, yeah, just cut cut to the chase. Great. There we go. There's our glistening Bodhi winner. Greg, you did it. Um, <laughs> this week's <laughs> this really the question, question is fairly open-ended, I would say. Yeah. Uh, it appears as if we were asking you, what's the deal with Kairos? <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. The people need to know. I think this will be fun. This will be, th- these are going to be fun answers. I want to wait to answer this one. What you will, dear listeners. I will need time to think about this. Yeah, I want to do this on next episode because I Same. am going to think about this very deeply. I actually have like a whole theory formulating my head tied in with other books that I am reading that have no relevance whatsoever to Star Wars. So look forward to that in-depth essay next week. Or next my episode. theory is connected to the um, return of Phasma in episode nine. Oh, Lord. Oh, I'm excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> because if you count them out, Phasma and Kairos have the same number of letters. Okay, let's save this for next All week. Right. This is going to be a fun time. <laughs> All right, listeners. Listeners, hit us up on Twitter at Rogue Podron with your answer to this question. We want to hear your thoughts on what the deal is with Kairos. Please, God, tell me. Our email is roguepodron at gmail.com. Our website is roguepodron.com. Our Patreon is roguepodron.com slash roguepodron, where you can pledge to us to get episodes early, some extra stuff. Uh, you can join our Discord, which is great fun. And you can subscribe to us via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Spotify, and Google. Please rate and review us on iTunes, because we survive off of these stars. They are our only sustenance. Our Discord is great fun. It, it is. is. It's good fun. In fact, there was a recent review that was posted that said, great fun. Was it me? No, it was, I don't know, it was Dinner Leader or Odie oh, or It was someone. not Dinner Leader. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we even have, like, people like Dinner Leader and Odie in there if you want to interact with them as well. Yeah. Those <laughs> names that you hear us mention each week with derision in our voice. Except you can I pay don't, us I, money in order to talk to them in person. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? I think it's that's not beautiful. even in person. <laughs> <laughs> we have a review this week. It's lengthy, so I hope you're excited to hear my voice more. Yeah. Ho-Hoss voice. Ray is Cornhole's daughter. Wait, was I meant to do that? And you have to do it in the Ho-Hoss voice. Yeah. Okay. Ray is Cornhole's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Terrible fan theory. I, yeah. All right, but we're getting into it. This is by I'm so, so sorry, which is a good sign. That's Wait, nice. you have to read the whole review in the Ho-Hoss voice. No, I am not. No, <laughs> That's so no. long. I cannot do that. I no, cannot they, hold that voice for that long. If they, they wanted turn that, they should have done else. that at the start of the actual review. They should have. If you want that to happen, you have to make it clear in the review, not just the title. Okay, so before I get into all that, I want to say that I really love this podcast, and it's really funny, and hashtag justice for Yarrow proof, and Cornhorn is an idiot, and all that. 
Also, I'm really sad that Five Stars is apparently only an it's great review because it's not just normal great. It's Broke Vessary's Bones great. <laughs> I need to know who is writing this. This because... is the best review ever. Can That's we please... a galaxy brain right there. Because, Can like, we make that our new Twitter bio? Is, is, is... Oh. Please make that our new Twitter bio that our podcast is Broke Vessary's Bones great. <laughs> yes. I'm on it. Thank, Thank you. you. Because they'd be premium bone market bones. Absolutely. Absolutely. Top shelf bones. <laughs> Seriously, I love this podcast. It never fails to make me laugh, and I re-listen to episodes when I'm feeling sad because they make me laugh. I'm going to mm. cry. The inside jokes are great and are all really funny. My favorite is Pash Out because I miss Pash a lot. He really he did too. Pash Out. He did. Hashtag <laughs> big mood. Honestly, I miss him too. I miss Pash. Bye, Pash. Pash. Maybe I'll write some Pash content for y'all. Yes. Also, I'm definitely here for the Pokemon episode, and in my Pokemon Go, I caught a, a tall egg tree thing and named him Yarrow Proof. Beautiful. <laughs> He's my buddy, and I'm mad I have to walk three kilometers to get a candy from him, but my Whelmer, named that thing, as in, look at the size of that thing, <laughs> only took one kilometer. <laughs> okay. Seth, my... do you know that there's no R in Yariel's last name? Did I say Proof? It, I, it's hard to tell. Poof. Yariel, <laughs> poof. 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 That's his name. <laughs> Onto my dumb theory because I don't know how to shut up actually. So, same. So, the entire foundation for the theory of Ray being Corrin's kid is that Corrin is so dumb and would loot his child on a random planet in the middle of nowhere. Then, when he realized he'd forgot his kid, he'd be like, eh, whatever, not my problem anymore, and leave her there. Also, or he'd start searching for her and spend, like, way too long. <laughs> the entire And by the time the he finds her, she's years. like a full-fledged Jedi leading the resistance. <laughs> the entire 20 years he's trying to save her, but he's actually just gotten lost and, like, found a new Sith Lord to fight. Right. Yeah. God, that's, that's honestly, like, convincing me to this theory. <laughs> Also, Ray is really obsessed with her parents, just like how Corrin is obsessed with his dad, but with Ray at least it's relevant to the plot, probably. Also, I really want Corrin to be canon, but only to be like, when Kylo Ren went on his murderous rampage, he killed these Jedi, and their names are Corrin Horn and... and it's it's just Corrin Horn. <laughs> Ray's other parent is Palpatine, somehow, or maybe Izard. Oof. And that's the end of the review. <laughs> that's the end of the review. <laughs> what is this beautiful... person know that we have an email address? <laughs> This review is a work of art. This is amazing. It. I'm going to print it out and put it up on my fridge. Honestly, same. Maybe not my yeah. fridge. It really captures our essence. It does. This, this is us in a review. Yeah. Like, if you read this review and you're like, I need to listen to Rogue Podger now, that's it. You're sold. Like, that. Like, this you're... is chaos. <laughs> that's Absolute it. chaos. I'm going to put this on my damn wall. Yeah, it's amazing. Also, I love the idea that someone re-listens to episodes when they're sad because we cheer them up. I mean, I listen to our episodes when when I'm sad because they cheer me up. Yeah, that's true. So do I. Oh, yeah, me too. Totally. <laughs> Don't even, Danny. Get out of here. Danny. Look, I re-listened to this entire freaking series so I can make episode 100. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's fair. You, you, also you have never have them. to re-listen to an episode of Rogue Podcast right. again. <laughs> Until the 200th episode. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You gotta think of something real good for that one. It'll just be a clip show of the clip show. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a clip show of Panera Padron and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe we'll actually like get Panera to sponsor our 200th episode. Oh my god. No, what I'll do for the 200th episode is it'll be all the same clips from the 100th, except it will do them as live dramatic readings where we each play different um, ones oh my of god. ourselves. Oh, oh my, my god. god. That's amazing. I love that. Podception. Yeah. No, you just you just play the 100th episode at double speed. <laughs> <laughs> Times two. <laughs> Our listeners can already do that's that all, at home. That's all you have to do. <laughs> right, but they don't know that. <laughs> oh, oh no, I spoiled it. I'm sorry. You gave them the secret, Seth. I ruined it. Well, please don't of- please don't listen to us on double speed by choice. I don't like that. <laughs> by choice. <laughs> I don't know, oh. someone might force them to, but if you have the choice to, please don't. How many people are being held hostage listening to Rogue <laughs> right now, do you think? Enough. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> the so fact just... that we've listeners at all is just astounding to me, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Yep. So, <laughs> next time, <laughs> join us for 
the alphabet squadron discussion theory what's gonna happen next episode Ooh, it'll be yeah. more than just me talking thank god yeah <sighs> finally finally no just kidding we we're so glad you did this <laughs> me too i'm good glad job, i got Seth. to i'm good glad job, i managed Seth. to get everybody to read alphabet squadron because it's very good it's very good it's very good this is actually probably the book that all of us would have read anyway yeah don't don't yeah. tell me that let me feel proud about this accomplishment Anyway, thank you, Seth, for making sure that we all read Alphabet Squadron Yay! very quickly, which is actually Next probably Next up, Danny's going to make everyone read Thrawn Treason. We are not. Good <laughs> fucking luck. Actually, you've oh, got to yeah. wait because I have plans still. So I would blow a raspberry at you, but that would not come across well on a podcast. Nope, sure would not. Anyway. <laughs> you should try it anyways. For... <laughs> And with that, this is Rogue signing off. Pash out. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, 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 We did it. What a fucking weird episode. This is a weird episode. Pew, 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 pew,